Welcome to the SRC Toolbox Podcast, where we talk about everything renovation and the renovation business. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to live through a renovation, what it means to live through the stressful parts, how to deal with them, how to deal with contractors, how each side should approach things. And we're going to do it through the lens of a project that came to us on Hooper Street. And hence the title of this podcast is What Happened at Hooper Street, that a previous contractor was fired and we were asked to step in and fill the gap. And it's pretty traumatic for the homeowner. I didn't know what was really happening until I really went to the site. So let's backtrack a little bit and I'll tell you how we got onto this project. So we're connected with a plumbing company and the plumber had come to me, they're, they're their project manager came to me and said, look, there's a, there's a project that needs your help. This homeowner had a fire insurance company referred a contractor to rebuild the house and they've done a terrible job and the homeowner has no confidence. Can you just talk to him? So of course, you know, I'm happy to, to give my time to somebody who needs it and there's no commitment to talk to us. So I said, yeah, why not? Give him my number, happy to chat whatever he needs. So what had happened was there was a fire and the house had to be knocked over. So they, it was a bungalow and they knocked over the, the top half in order to rebuild it. And it was a rental property. So the goal was to create two units, a three bedroom unit upstairs and then a three bedroom unit downstairs. It, it, this is a pretty sizable project. You know, we're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars to do this. And the contractor that was in place wasn't really making a lot of progress. And so I spoke with the client and talked to him on the phone. He explained to me what was going on. And I said, you know, there's a lot going on here that doesn't seem right. You know, I understand delays. I understand sometimes things are out of your control, but you should always be accountable. Your contractor, no matter what's going on, they should be reachable. One, they should be reachable. And two, they should be accountable. Now, it's important to remember that we're dealing with humans and humans are imperfect. And I'm more somebody who's going to give someone the benefit of the doubt and maybe be a little too trusting and get burned than to think bad of everyone. So I didn't know this scenario. The The homeowner came in to talk to me and I was, I it sounded like things were going bad. You know, it had taken them months to get the house framed. None of the rough-ins had been completed. So the house was only partially framed. There was no roof on. And he, I had basically offered my assistance just as a consultant, no charge, happy to talk to him and give him the benefit of my experience. And given that the site wasn't too far from our shop, I said, sure, I'll go by and have a look. And he, he had already made a commitment to firing that contractor. And I just kind of said, look, whether you proceed with us or somebody else, why don't we just get you on the path to doing something right? Now, one of the things that we do a lot of and we insist on is we don't communicate via text because it's very difficult to have a record. My strategy typically is to use the phone to communicate details and information and then use email to follow up and document. Because whatever happens on the phone, I need to have a record of at a later date if there's any dispute. As a contractor, I want to get paid for what I do. 
and typically homeowners only want to pay for what they get done. So if you do it all verbal, then you don't have that record. And if I do something wrong, if I miss something, that email is there to reinforce like, hey, I I said I was going to do this. So I have to live up to that. I can't just kind of dance around it. So being accountable is a big quality to a contractor and not just reachable. And email and phone help with that. Whereas text message, a lot can be lost. The other thing is text message, people will get thoughts and they'll fire off text messages late at night when you're home with your kids or they're home with their kids and it's really not the right time. So you you really got to kind of respect timelines too. But we got sidetracked a little bit there. So let's talk about where we're at. So now the client has said, I'm firing this guy. I want you guys to come in and quote. And I said, well, why don't I go have a look? So I drive down and leading up to this, the homeowner had been calling me two, three, four times a day for, for a couple of weeks, not on the weekends, but during the week, during business hours and sending me emails. And I just thought, man, this client's really involved. Like this is, this could be, it could be a lot of high maintenance. And then when I arrived to the site, it made complete sense why they were so overly communicative. We'll say the site was a mess. There was lumber everywhere. There were no shingles on the roof. And we're talking, it was, it was early November at this time or late October. There's no shingles on the roof. You know, that's a fairly rainy season. There's no shingles on the roof. All the windows and doors had been cut out, but there's no windows and doors. So the weather is just blowing through this house There's lumber everywhere. The old furnace and all the ductwork was piled up in the backyard. And I just couldn't fathom that somebody had left it like this. Sure, I get it. Not everybody's the neatest worker and keeping sites is a priority. Or sorry, keeping sites clean is always a priority. But not everybody's as good at it. People want to do it. They get caught up. But this was epically bad. Studs with nails sticking out of them laying around. There were roof trusses. So a roof truss is, you know, 30 feet wide. It's just laying in the yard. There's three of them in the yard. And my mouth was open walking through. And I didn't do a very good job of containing my opinion through my facial expressions to this client. I was just floored. And so it just goes to show you sometimes people don't know. They don't understand the process of construction and a good contractor should be navigating them through that process, through communication, through information. And it was just a mess. And the the homeowner really needed someone to help them. And I totally understood at that point, the framing, the work itself wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible but there was a lot left undone. There was no wiring done. There was, well, you can't wire a house when there's no shingles on it because the weather just, it goes right through it, especially with no windows or doors. So they had the security fencing all around, but no windows and doors. So basically the whole building is just wide open. They hadn't finished skirting the outside of the building either. So the wind is just ripping through it. And we're in October. How are we really going to put an electrician and a plumber and an HVAC guy in there or somebody to insulate or somebody to hang drywall when the windows aren't in and never mind the windows weren't in the windows hadn't even been ordered. So we're, we were weeks away from getting windows. It was just 
an epic failure in project management. So as things were leading up to the customer letting go of that contractor, that contractor terminated the project manager on that project. There was just a whole bunch of things done. And people are very vulnerable to not knowing the process of construction. And that's normal. Trust is something that is built. Trust is something that is grown. It isn't something that can be handed over. Now, how do we build trust? We use contracts. We use milestones for payments. We don't overcharge for things. We're, we try to be as transparent as we can with regards to cost. We try to communicate as much. Another element that is really underestimated in terms of building trust is keeping your job site clean. When customers or clients show up to the work you're doing in their house and it's messy, it creates doubts about your competency. If you can't keep the site clean, how are you going to do the work? And from a, from a contractor standpoint, a messy construction site is really hard to work on because you're continually stepping over stuff. So you want to try to keep the site clean because it's just more efficient and you have to prioritize that. In this case, none of that was prioritized. So the customer had lost all confidence. And I just, my opinion to them was, if you're not confident that this contractor is going to deliver the product you want, maybe you should consider stepping away from them. I really hope that's something that resonates with people because sometimes you need to step away. Now, projects, they don't always go smoothly. We talked about this. There, people are people make mistakes. People are human, which is kind of redundant to say that they're human, but they're not perfect and they're going to make mistakes. Things aren't going to go smoothly all the time. Again, this is why keeping things clean, having communication, being informative, having documentation, having contracts helps you maintain that when renovations get stressful. We do a lot of main floor renovations. We're basically taking apart your house and you're going to be without your kitchen and your living room, which is the heart of your house for an extended period, you know, 10 weeks from the time we pull out your kitchen to the time we go, it goes in is the average time. Now I say average because sometimes within projects, things happen. Customers make changes to projects, which impacts your schedule. Now that is not to blame the customer for making changes. They have every right to make that. It just needs to be understood that changes in the middle of a project affect timeline. There's another area where you get bumped and it becomes stressful is if the materials you're using get delayed. Lately, we've had a huge issue with windows being delayed. We get the windows measured, we go to order, they're like, hey, it'll be 16 weeks. 16 weeks is old, that's four months. That's a long time to wait for windows. And in some cases, the project struggles to continue. And when you're living through a renovation, continually seeing parts of your house unfinished, it wears on you. I noticed that doing kitchen and main floor renovations, specifically kitchens, after about three weeks, the novelty of doing dishes in your uh, laundry tub or in your bathtub kind of wears off and people want their kitchen back. And they want their house back. And it's really hard to make them understand or not make them understand or help the process to be managing their expectations going, hey, 
we're still a long way from you having a functioning kitchen. We're 10 weeks to countertops, but then oftentimes there's backsplash and little extras. One of the companies we works for, uh, Eileen, who works for Paragon Kitchens, she had this great term called the while you were here's. And they tend to, one, blow up your timeline and two, blow up your budget. Now, this is no one's fault. This is not the homeowner's fault for wanting to change things. You're only going to do your kitchen or your main floor, your bathroom, hopefully, once every 15, 20, 25 years. You want to get it right. But it's important to understand that the time you're going to spend now to get it right is going to affect your time later. So while projects have hiccups, certain things take longer, it's important to just kind of see the bigger picture. This is a 20-year picture. It is not a six-month picture. And mentally, that's tough to deal with. So how do you know when your contractor is doing a crappy job? Well, your gut feeling is going to know. You're going to know like, that doesn't look right. This person is not telling me the truth. I don't trust this person. I think it's important to trust your inner BS meter and really ask some tough questions. And hopefully the contractor you're dealing with is accountable and will say, hey, look, I've made some mistakes. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to find a way to compensate you by doing something for less or doing something for free or doing something extra that you didn't anticipate to pay for. But also you have, you have those other factors you want to take into account. What we've run into on a project was we're doing a main floor. The client, we, we excluded the backsplash from the original quote because the client was concerned about budget. So he said, okay, no problem. We can always put it in later. And then we got to later on the project and the client said, well, you know what? I want to do my powder room floor too. And I want to do the backsplash. No problem. We could take care of that. So they pick some tiles and lo and behold, one of the tiles is six weeks away and the other is eight weeks away. So we now have to continue the project. We get to a certain point and then we kind of have to stop. The client also, in the same project, they they decided to swap out their doors, which they hadn't before. They wanted to get shaker-style doors, and they had your original six-panel doors, and we said, no problem, we can do that. So these little things affect the timeline. And we were making slow but steady progress, and then once the delay hit with the tiles, you're not there for an extended period. And they're not seeing progress. And that's what I think is really challenging for people is the mental stress of progress isn't being made and and they want their house back. And that's normal. It's not their fault. It's not to blame the client for making changes in the process. It's only to realize it's better to be frustrated and upset with the process now and happy later than happy now that things are moving forward, but they're not really efficient and you're going to be unhappy later with the end product or wish you would have done something differently. But how do you know when that's the case, when it's just life getting in the way or you've hired a really bad contractor? And I think it comes down to just separating yourself and looking at the facts. And if you look at, I'm not happy with 
the mess. I'm not happy with the end product. I'm not happy with their communication. I'm not happy working with them. If you've lost confidence that they're not going to produce the right work product, I think it's really important for you to consider letting that contractor go and move on to the next. It is very difficult to do that because now you're going to have to start the process all over again. And dealing with the Hooper Street project, it really makes me understand or see firsthand that it's not easy for people who aren't accustomed to renovations. I knew this before, but it just pounds it home that much more because this is stressful. This is hundreds of thousands of dollars that these people are putting in that now they have to stop. They have to put it on hold. They have to fire these people. They have to figure out how much they're really going to pay them be based on what is done. But on the other side of that, now they have to find somebody else to trust and move forward with. And trust is by far one of the most important components of any contractual relationships. As a contractor, I've been there when things haven't gone well. But you have to be accountable. You have to say, we made some mistakes. We're going to fix that. And you have to actually fix it. You can't walk away from something and go, oh, well, we did our best. And it's their fault that they're not happy. You need to have a reasonable, logical, detached approach to making sure you've done everything that can be done and everything that's reasonable to make your client happy. And then from a client perspective, if you don't trust them, if you don't trust what they're charging you, what they're doing, pump the brakes. Consult with somebody. Consult with another contractor. Heck, pay them $200 to come in and go through things. Pay for their time and get an honest opinion. And then you can figure out whether you're being realistic. But more often than not, your internal dialogue is going to tell you this isn't going well. And you have to listen to that. Mike Holmes made a career out on TV show of going in and fixing other people's bad work. I mean, he made a brand out of it. Mike Holmes is is probably one of the reasons that our industry is thriving because of the TV show he started. And if you're a contractor who does things right, Mike Holmes is amazing. He's one of the reasons we have so much work to do. But if you're a bad contractor, you don't like Mike Holmes because he's opened a big can of worms that people are going to do more homework before they hire people. And that's my next point is the homework people do. Before you hire a contractor, be sure to look into not just who they are, but who you feel, whether you trust them, not whether you like them. My clients like me. I That is a, a, a benefit or like an offshoot. I have to deliver on what I'm talking about. I have to be accountable. I have to be accountable when they're stressed, when they don't like something, I have to have open lines of communication. I can't be, you know, really delicate and not take their criticism or want to change things. So I'm tentative when it comes to advocating for reviews because reviews can be faked. You know, people can get fake. You can pay services to write fake reviews for you. And The other side of it is when you have contractors with a negative review, if they have one or two negative reviews out of 20, sure, not a big deal. 
I would ask them about that. If you if you're considering hiring them, ask them about those reviews. Hey, what happened on that project? I'm interested in working with you, but I have some concerns based on this. Can you walk me through? And then then you got to make a judgment call on whether you trust them. But to to give you a perspective, I've done I've been in business 8 years in my previous business and then the new business that I have with a partner. So I've been in business eight years. So let's just take my previous business, uh, which was BG Renovation. You can look it up. It's no problem. So I did, we'll say I did in six or seven years, I did 140 projects. I think I have 21 reviews. That's not a lot. That's, That's one out of seven. So that means the vast majority, so we're saying like 115 of my projects, nobody left a review. And I I live in a small town. I see those people at the grocery store, at my kid's soccer game, going out for dinner. It's important to me that when I see them, they're not sitting there going, oh, look, there's that guy again. Uh, so I, I protect, I won't say I protect my reputation because I think reputation is a result. It's not the goal. And if you take care of today and you do good work, your reputation will reflect that and you don't have to worry about it. But the point I'm trying to make is don't put all your money in the basket of reviews. If you're a, you're, you want to find a plumbing contractor, well, those guys do three, four jobs a day. And if they have one or two bad reviews and they have 10 really good ones, if you do the math, there's 356 days, 350, whatever is days a year. And you're going to do five jobs every day. You know, you're doing a few hundred jobs a year. You're doing, let's do the math. You're doing 20 jobs a month. You're doing 240 jobs a year and you have three bad reviews. So it's important to keep that in perspective. If there's somebody you want to work with, don't take the word of all the reviews. See what they say, meet them, talk to them, and then talk to another contractor. If you just talk to one, you may not you may not hit a home run and get the right one. Sometimes there's a lot of great contractors out there and that contractor isn't the right fit for you. In town, we live in Guelph, Ontario, there's a slew of contractors who are just like us, who their price is the same. They're just a different way of doing business. And I know a lot of them. And for some clients, they're the right fit. And for some clients, we're the right fit. There's so much work out there that I don't necessarily view it as us versus them. And I've had clients where we've not gotten the job and they've been like, hey, we really liked you, but we just really like this thing about their company. And that's great. It's important that you find the right contractor for you to do your job. And if anything you take away from this episode is trust your instincts. Don't be afraid to fire any somebody. And if things aren't going the way you want, stop and talk to your contractor and just figure it out. Most people don't wake up at the start of the day going, I cannot wait to screw this up today. They don't wake up going, I cannot wait to screw this person over. And that's most people. And I trust that. I won't say that's everyone because Hooper Street is a clear indication that that's not the the case, but it's the minority. I'll say that, you know, one in 20 of our jobs, there's difficulties. 
That's 5%. The problem is you spend most of your time talking about that 5%. And what I want you to think about at the end of this is try to think about the 95% of the good and not the 5% of the bad. Uh, That's all I got for today. Thanks for listening. We're going to try to do a better job of getting these out once a week. Things have been super hectic. We hired two more employees. We had two employees move and and leave a company. So a little bit of struggles there, but that's life. Like I said, you're always dealing with humans and they're not perfect and life changes. So I'll do a better job of putting out more content so you guys can take it in. I hope this helps some of you. If you have any questions, comments, you like the podcast, you want to subscribe, that'd be great. It'd be really appreciated. And thanks for listening.